My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Cross Point, and I want to thank all of you for coming out here today. Um, before I forget, I just want to thank uh, I want to thank our deacons this morning for uh, coming out here early and removing the snow and uh, salting the the parking lot and and the sidewalks. As far as I know, no, there were no accidents. Um, so I just want to thank our deacons. They uh, they do a lot of stuff behind the scenes, and so I'm just thankful for um, those guys. That would be uh, Eric and Matt and Dave and Dave. I'm just um, very thankful for them and uh, all their hard work. So thank you guys for doing that. Um, for those of you who are uh, joining, joining us on Facebook this morning, I want to welcome you guys too. Thank you for watching. Uh, and speaking of Facebook, well, I, w- I was outside this morning shoveling my driveway pretty early. And I was thinking to myself, man, there's not going to be a lot of people at church today. How can I get people to come to church today? So... I, I posted something on Facebook this morning, and uh, what I said was, hey, it, if you come to church today, we'll give you all the free candy you want that we just got on clearance and we were saving for next Easter. <laughs> and, and incidentally, I see a bunch of people here today that I haven't seen in a while. <laughs> so look, I was just kidding, but if you really want the candy, just talk to our ministry assistant, Angela, and she'll be so happy with me that I said that, and she'll give you all the candy you want. And then she'll have to go get more for next Easter, I guess. So um, uh, anyways, um, I did want to recognize one guest that we have here this morning, Ethan Raposa, who we don't get to see very often. He's sitting there in the back. He, maybe he's here for the candy, too. I wouldn't be surprised. But he serves in the Air Force, and I just want to thank him for being here today. It's always a pleasure to see Ethan uh, back with us. We don't get to see him too much, so when he comes, I like to embarrass him a little bit. Uh, today we're starting a new series called Healing Broken Relationships. Healing Broken Relationships. We're going to be talking about healing broken relationships for the next six weeks. And the reason we're talking about it is because probably all of us have a broken relationship. And it might be one that you've moved on from, right? Maybe, maybe it's a relationship that was broken many, many years ago, and, and you, you, you've tried everything you could and you moved on. And the question we want you to ask is, does God want to bring that relationship back to life? And I would, I would challenge you to consider that he does. <clears throat> not, he might, I'm not saying he does for sure. I'm just saying he very well may. I want to read you a, uh, something from a journal entry. that I, this, is, this, is from April, this is my journal, my personal journal, from April 29th, 2011. Okay, April 29th, 2011. This is just almost exactly... Seven years ago. Today was a beautiful spring day. (laughs) It's coming. It's coming, okay? A couple weeks. Um, Sharon, my mother-in-law, who is up here giving announcements, she she took the kids to an inflatable indoor playground today. After I got home and took a shower, I was reading on the front porch while the kids played outside. Our neighbor, I'm not going to use his name, but our neighbor, who lives right across the street from us, came down the street and slowed down in front of our house. I didn't see it at first, but our cat Dora was laying in the middle of the street and didn't get out of the way. Dan floored it and drove around her. He parked his truck, oops, I used his name. He parked his truck in his driveway and started walking towards our house. I said, here we go. And uh, I had the kids go in the house. Dan rather calmly explained how we are living like white trash and need to control our animals and our kids. I told him we're doing the best we could. (laughs) 
He made some baseless, baseless accusations and said, you guys just live however you want and we'll do the same. And he stormed off. Um, I don't, I don't re- know if I recorded it in here, but we had an incident with his wife a couple months ago. It was much worse. And I'll just tell you about that incident. Is a couple months before this, um, <laughs> my, I was at work and my wife got a knock on the door. And uh, she was at home with our young kids and she opened the door to see our neighbor standing there, this is the, uh, his wife, and she just unloaded a verbal tirade on my wife. She, she just was, you know, unleashing profanities and screaming at my wife, and my wife had no idea what this was about. She went on for about a minute screaming at my wife, and my wife actually had to shut the door because of the things that my children were hearing coming out of this woman's mouth. So she decided she, she wrote it, just she would finish what she was going to say in a nasty letter, and she left it in our mailbox. And as it turns out, um, during, during a, a storm the previous day, a milk carton and a cardboard box from our recycle bin had blown over onto their property. And so she, she just wanted to let us know how horrible, what horrible human beings we were uh, because we let that happen. And uh, so I ended up having to, you know, I, I got home, my wife was in tears, and I, I called my neighbor, and I tried to reason with both of them, and, and they didn't, all they had to say was just how just they couldn't believe we let this happen, and they didn't want anything to do with us. Now, um, that, w- that was seven years ago, and uh, it, was, it was a pretty traumatic event for both of us. We'd never, you know, experienced a confrontation quite as intense as that with someone we didn't really know very well. And um, he- here's what I said, and here's what I said in the journal entry, um, these people are rageaholics, and, and, and knowing what I know of them and how they have responded to certain other neighbors on the block, today will mark the end of our once cordial relationship. <clears throat> and and, I, will, and I, I go on to say, I'm sure that from now on I am dead to him, and he will no longer acknowledge my existence in any way. That's what I thought, right? That's what I thought was going to happen, and I was pretty much like, okay, this relationship's over. He, they live across the street, but... You know, they don't want anything to do with us. We don't want anything to do with them. And so I kind of put up a wall between us and them. I just, just decided I was, we were going to avoid them. For the sake of our children, for the sake of my wife, we're just going to avoid them for a while, right? But I realized that wasn't right. It wasn't right for me to do that. And over time, over time, my heart started to soften towards them. Um, they, they never apologized. Um, you know, they never, they never sought any reconciliation with us at all. But I remember, not, the, not that following October, but the October after that, my wife had, had made some, um, she had baked like a little loaf of bread for each of our neighbors, like uh, banana bread or some kind of sweet bread or something like that, just to go up. So we were going trick-or-treating that one uh, October. We decided to go up and down the street. And we, we went all the way up the one side and went all the way back down the other side. And we live on a dead end, and their house is the last house in the dead end. And so we, were, we had, you know, a loaf of bread left, and my wife and I looked at each other like, are we going to go there? Like, we haven't really talked to them in the last year or whatever it was, and they, we would wave at them, and they wouldn't wave back and stuff like that. And I think it was my wife, actually, who convinced me that we should go there. And so we went onto their property, risking our lives. And I was a little nervous, I got to admit. And uh, we get to the front door, and... Uh, I, I kind of shoved the kids in front of us, you know, as a buffer. You know, maybe they'll see the kids and, and decide. 
Maybe that makes me a bad father or something. But that's what we did. You know, maybe they'll see the kids and they'll relax. And I couldn't believe what happened. They opened the door and they knew who we were. And we said, hey, you know, we just, we, we just want to say hi. And they're like, oh, how are you guys doing? Like nothing ever happened. And, uh, and we're like, oh, my wife baked some bread for you. We gave him the bread. Oh, that's so nice. I'll be right back. And she, she went in and she got a bunch of treats for the kids. And, you know, it was all, it was all fine. Okay. And, and look, we're not like close friends with them, okay? That's not, maybe you thought there was going to be some fantastic ending, like, oh, they're here in the service today, come on up, or something like that, no. But I, I always will tell you that story because the wall came down. The wall came down between us and them. And, now, and since then, in the last few years, I've had really good conversations with him and, um, you know, borrow tools from him sometime or just go over to his house sometimes if I see him outside and just go start up a conversation with him and talk. And we have a kind of friendship now, you know. We're not best buds or anything like that, but the wall came down. So today, what we're going to talk about is these, these walls. We're going to talk about walls. Um, because what we do as humans and as Christians is we put walls up so, to keep other people at a distance from us. We, we just do it. Someone, someone hurts you. So you might put a wall up so you don't get hurt again. Someone slandered you. Someone slighted you. A wall goes up. You want to keep them at a distance. You don't want that to happen again. You see someone who, who looks suspicious, so you put a wall up. You see someone who looks different than you, or they talk different than you, or they, uh, they just, there's some, you get some kind of weird vibe, so you put up a wall. You, you don't want that person getting too close to you. And, uh, you know, the reason we do this is probably because we feel superior to them in some way. That, that's the reason we do it. And so we put up that wall because we don't want them getting too close. And, and, and here's, here's the problem is, a lot of times when we put up those walls, we just leave them there. And, and we say, you know what we say sometimes after we've gotten to a certain place with someone in a relationship? We say, you know what, I'm done. I'm done with you. And you know what you're saying is, you know, I've put up this wall, and I'm walking away, and I'm never taking this wall down. That wall's always going to be there. There's nothing you can do to get around it. You might know it's there, but you can't climb over it, you can't go around it, and you can't get through it. It's my wall, I've put it there, and we're done. And that's what we do to each other, and we, and we do it to other people. And here's what I want you to know today. And this is what we're going to talk about this morning. Jesus tears down all the walls. That's what Jesus does. He tears down walls. And then we just put them right back up. And he just takes them right back down. And so we're going to talk about that uh, this morning. And, And you need to know that Jesus died on the cross to remove all of the barriers that exist in your relationships. That's why he died, is to remove those barriers. He will not let that wall stand. If you want to know Jesus and you want to get close to Jesus, that wall is going to have to come down. That wall between you and that other person, it's going to have to come down at some point if you want to go, if you want to get closer to Jesus. Because that wall that you've put up between you and that person is, is also keeping you from getting close to God. Sometimes we don't associate, we don't put the two together. You know, we think, okay, I've got a vertical relationship with God, and I've got these horizontal relationships with other people, but they don't really, you know, 
They don't really connect. But that's just not true at all. It's not true at all. Those walls, those walls have to come down. And, and, and any time that we react to pain and rejection and betrayal or disappointment or injustice in our relationships by putting up a wall, we lose. We, lo- we lose sight of Jesus. That's what happens. And so here's what we're going to look at today is Ephesians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 11 through 22. And uh, just like last week, if you were here last week, you'll remember we talked about what it means to be united with Jesus. And that's what Paul, the Apostle Paul just got done writing about in the first part of this chapter, is that we used to be dead to, to God, and now we're alive with Christ. So he's, he just got done talking about our union with Jesus Christ. And he says that because we're united to Jesus, this is how our relationships are going to change. And this is what he says beginning in verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 2. Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by, ha- by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Now we're, we're going we're gonna to pause there. And we're going to talk about, there's basically three Three sections in this passage. It's what we used to be, what Jesus did, and what we are now. Those are the three things that the Apostle Paul is, is putting out there for us. So what, what we used to be, that's the first thing. Um, if we go to the next slide. We used to be, according to this passage, we used to be separated, excluded, foreigners, without hope, and without God. That's who we used to be. And this passage is really about what God has done to heal broken relationships And he's using Jews and Gentiles as an example. Jews and Gentiles. So if you remember in the early church, in the first century, it was basically made up of two different kinds of people. Jews and everybody else. Jews and Gentiles. And they were very different. Jews were one kind of person, and and, and Gentiles were another kind of person. They had different cultural backgrounds, different religious backgrounds. They were different uh, ethnicities, sometimes different races, sometimes spoke different languages. They had different physical attributes, different ideas about how to approach God. And all of a sudden, the churches are being filled with these two very radically different kinds of people. And they're not really getting along too well. There's a lot of conflict and tension. So the Apostle Paul is writing this to, to help them understand what God has done to bring them together. So, so the Jews, of course... What's special about the Jews? Well, basically, the entire Old Testament was written to Jews, right? They are God's chosen people. God chose this very small, very weak, insignificant nation to represent him in the world. And and he chose the Jews because they were small, because they were weak, because they were insignificant. Because God is a God of mercy and love and justice, and he's a God of intimacy, and he wanted, he, he decided that the best way for him to show himself to the world was through a small, weak, insignificant nation. And so because he's a personal God, he chose, he chose first a man, Abraham. And out of Abraham grew this entire nation. And the whole idea was that the Jews were going to be set apart, and they were going to receive God's promises and God's law and God's, you know, the temple and in fact, there's a passage in Romans that describes the, what was special about the Jews. This is what it says. Romans chapter 9. 
Theirs is the adoption as sons. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. Okay, that's all the Jews. That's what's, they're very unique people that God had chosen. And, but here's the thing. It didn't work out the way that God planned for it to work out. And God knew, of course, that all this was going to happen. But, but the Jews were supposed to be a light to the nations. They were supposed to draw all the other nations. They were supposed to draw all the other nations to worship God. They were supposed to be a loving people, a holy people, a generous people. And they were supposed to be attracting all these other nations to God by the way that they lived. But guess what happened? <laughs> they became exclusive. They became exclusive. They decided no one else was worthy of God's uh, affection. They decided no one else was worthy of having access to God. They didn't want to share God with the other nations. And, and that's what happened, right? And so they became separated from God. They became separated from God. Now, if you're, if you're not a Jew, right? I don't know, some of you maybe were born into a Jewish family. You're, you're Jewish by, by birth. But most of us aren't. And so you know what that meant? You know what that meant for us? We were outsiders. That's what he's saying. We're excluded from the covenant and the promises. We were separated from God. We didn't have any word from God. We didn't have any law. We didn't have any um, any temple. I mean, all we had, we, we didn't have any of those special things that Jews had. As Gentiles, we were shut out of the covenants, of the promises, and all of that. Okay? All we had were a bunch of Different religions, different ideas about what it means to be a great human, different ideas about who God is and how to worship God, different ideas about how the world started. You know, you worship your God, I'll worship my God. You do what's right for you, I'll do what's right for me. You believe that, I'll believe this, and let's all just get along. That's what you have when you remove Jesus. You have a world of chaos. You have a, you have a pluralistic society. It's exactly what we have, Okay? That's our condition apart from Christ. Excluded, foreigners, strangers, separated from God. And then Paul writes this. Picking up in verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two One, that's Jews and Gentiles. He's made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this new body to reconcile both of them, Jews and Gentiles, to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, that's through Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Okay, so Jesus changed all of that. We used to be separated. Now we're brought near. We used to be excluded. Now we're welcomed in. We used to be strangers. Now we're God's friends through faith in Christ. So this is what Jesus did. He brought us near to God. He destroyed the walls. He killed the hostility that existed between us and the Jews. He created a new humanity made up of Jews and Gentiles. He reconciled both of us to God, and he gave us all access 
to the Father. All of that is in this verse. We, we can't even talk about all of that today. Right? But here's what we need to talk about. First of all, is that reconciliation between us and God was impossible without Jesus. It was impossible. There's no way that you or I could ever get near to God if it weren't for Jesus. We don't have any access to him. We don't have any access to the Father apart from the blood of Jesus Christ. We have nothing to stand on. We have no, we, our good works aren't good enough. Um, we, we, can't do, we can't pay our way into God's presence. We can't negotiate with God. There is nothing in us that gives us the right to be in God's presence. Nothing at all. It's only through the blood of Jesus. It's a gift. Salvation is a gift. Jesus died on the cross. He took our sin in his body, and he gives us his righteousness. He covers us in it. And God declares you righteous just through faith, just by trusting in Jesus. You are recreated. You are made a new kind of person. You are brought near. You are brought into the presence of God. You, were, you used to be, like we talked about last week, you were living in the kingdom of darkness, and you're transferred into the kingdom of his marvelous light. You have a new master, a new savior, new priorities, a new way of life. Right? That's all because of Jesus. It's all because of the cross. So, only through the cross of Jesus are Jews and Gentiles able to come together as a new nation, a new people, a new humanity. Because before Christ, we were separated from God. We were separated from one another. And there was a wall, and Paul calls it the wall of hostility. The wall of hostility. Now, how many of you have experienced a dividing wall of hostility with another person? Anybody here? A dividing wall of hostility with another person. You know the wall. You know, you know the wall's there. Maybe you don't know how it got there. Maybe you don't know how to tear it down, but it's there. Now, now in the text this morning, what was the wall? The wall was the law of God. The Jews had it. Nobody else did. And the Jews said, okay, we have the law, you don't. So, so, and actually, there was a literal wall around the temple courts. <laughs> and you couldn't go in unless you were a Jew. So there was an actual literal wall around the temple, keeping people like us outside of the presence of God. But the real wall that Paul's referring to here is the law of God. Okay? Because I'm a Gentile, and I don't hold to the dietary restrictions, and I don't, obe- I don't follow the ceremonial law. I have no access to God. Jesus put that to death. That's what he's saying. Jesus abolished that in his body. Okay? Some Jews believed, hey, if I'm good enough, God will accept me. If I obey God, he will accept me. If I, uh, you know, follow this moral code, I'll be okay with God. Okay? Jesus put that to death too. Okay? You can't relate to God that way. Okay? Through the death of Jesus, through faith in Jesus, you are no longer condemned. There is no more condemnation for you. Forget about the law. You are righteous in God's sight because you've been united to Jesus by faith. So Jesus put those things to death. But what are the walls that we put up in our relationships? What are, what are those? We put up a wall between you and you put up a wall between you and someone else, maybe someone who hurt you, someone who's different than you. What's that wall about? Is it is it a race? 
Is it, uh, is it something they said? Is it something they did? Is it something you did? Is it some fear that you have? Is it some anxiety that you have? Is it something from the past? You know, whatever it is, you know, we know that Jesus removed those barriers and yet we put them right back up. We put, we put those walls up. And maybe one way that you could identify what that wall is is by asking yourself this. What is it that makes me feel superior to the people on the other side of my wall? What is it that makes me feel superior to the people on the other side of my wall? And I, I can almost guarantee you that's the wall. That's the wall. And it's built on pride. It's built on pride. And we put it there. God, God hates separation in his family. God hates division in his church. God hates conflict and, and disunity between brothers and sisters. So God made peace by sending his only son, Jesus, to remove the barriers, to tear, destroy the wall of hostility, to kill the hostility, and to make peace where there used to be hostility. That's what God did. So when you experience pain and brokenness and separation in relationships in your life, you cannot just walk away. I know that that's what we want to do. It's, that's, our, that's what feels right. It's what makes us feel comfortable. We just walk away. Okay, we're done. I can't deal with that right now. But that is really not an option as far as God is concerned. You can't walk away. You can't just walk away. Because we now, in Christ, have the capacity to experience healing and reconciliation in all of our broken relationships. That's what we have through Christ. That's what the gospel does. The gospel tears down walls. And it tears down walls in your broken relationships. It tears down the walls that are dividing you from the people that you have a problem with or the people who have a problem with you. Um, You know, as we've been growing as a church, you know, over the last year or so, there's been a number of people who have come to me and said, you know what? We really like this church, um, but there, I got to be honest with you. I got to tell you something. Things didn't end that great at our last church. <laughs> Maybe some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, you, you belong to another church, and you, you ended up here because something, some relationship went sideways, or someone slighted you, or someone took advantage of you, or someone disappointed you, or someone didn't do what they said they were going to do. I mean, we could, we could talk about this all day, Right? And some people have come and talked to me about that. Some people will continue to talk to us about that. And do you know what I'm always going to say to you? And you know what I'm always going to say? You need to go back <laughs> and, and talk about it. You need to go back and seek reconciliation. You need to go back and, and tell them their faults. I, I, I don't know how that's going to go. I can't guarantee that uh, everything is going to end well. But that's what you are supposed to do. That's what we're called to do because Jesus has removed the barriers. He doesn't want that wall there. So you, you need to go back and just have the conversation. Maybe you need to confess a fault. Maybe you need to make it right. Maybe you need to pay someone back. 
But you will never, and I know I've said this before, you, you will never get to the place with Jesus you want to get to while that wall is there. And you will never get to the place you want to get to with us while that wall is there. Because you know what? We're human. We're going to end up disappointing you too. Just give us some time. We are. We're going to, someone's going to say something. Someone's going to do something. You know, they're going to rub you the wrong way. It's going to happen because we're human beings. We still have a sinful nature. The sin, that sinful nature has no authority over us anymore. Sin has no power to master us anymore. But we still pretend that it does. We still act like it does. We still act like the person we used to be before Christ changed us. And when that happens, we want to just walk away. But we can't walk away until we've made peace. Because that's what Jesus died to give us. He wants us to have peace with everyone in our life. Everyone. That's what he wants. So, listen to how Paul concludes the passage in verse, beginning in verse 19. This is who we are now. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So here's what Paul says we are now. We are fellow citizens of God's kingdom. We are members of God's household. We are a temple under construction where the Spirit of God lives and moves. That's what the local church is, a temple under construction where the Spirit of God dwells and lives and breathes and moves and speaks. And we are a temple that's built to last. That's who we are. Now, Paul, of course, is writing to Jews and Gentiles. They used to be hostile to one another. But all that is changing through the cross. And here's what God wants us to see. This is why this matters for us. I know that we're not, we're not, we don't experience that Jew-Gentile conflict like they did back then. Not at least, at least not in this church. But here's what we got to see. There are things, it doesn't matter how different we are. It doesn't matter if you've hurt me or I've hurt you. It doesn't matter if there's some distance between us or there's some brokenness, Right? There are things about God that I simply cannot discover or see until I am brought together with you. Until I am brought near with other followers of Jesus who are not like me. That's what this means. Okay, that, It means that there are certain things I will never know about God unless I spend time with you. That's what it means. It doesn't matter how different we are. You might follow God differently than me. You might worship God differently than me. I like to raise my hand sometimes. You don't, maybe you don't like to do that. Maybe you don't even like to sing. Maybe you just like to sit there and hear it and take it in and meditate. That's okay. You don't have to be like me. Maybe you don't like talking in front of people. That's okay. Right? You're, you're, you're good at things that I'm terrible at. Okay? You don't need me to access God. We have the same access to God. You don't need a priest to have access to God. You don't need anybody else to access God. But guess what? It's only when you're gathered with the, with the saints of God and the, and the local church that you will experience this. 
Because we, according to this passage, the local churches are being built together as a holy temple where the Spirit of the living God speaks and moves and lives. And so we need to be together. That's all I know. And there are things I will never know about God or learn about God until I get to know you, until I get to see you following Jesus the way that you do. Does that make sense? We need each other. We need each other. Every single brick is important. Every single body part is important. We're all of equal importance. And we've been brought together through the blood of Christ to be a a new house, a new temple, a new nation, a new kind of family. You know, sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we get caught up in spiritual gifts. You know, some people sometimes will ask, hey, what do you guys believe about the Holy Spirit? You know, we're a non-denominational church, so people are always, always wondering, well, what do you believe about the Holy Spirit? You know, um, are you on this end of the spectrum or that end of the spectrum? And usually, they're t- usually they want to know, you know, do you guys believe in speaking? Do you guys speak in tongues? And do you believe in, uh, you know, the prophetic gifts and uh, in miraculous healings and things like that? And, and those things are important. Those things are, are, you know, they're part of the church's DNA, right? I mean, depending on what you believe. However, there's way more to the Holy Spirit than that. Way more to the Holy Spirit than that. This text teaches us that Jesus Christ has died to bring people together from every tongue, tribe, and nation to, and, and to bring them together through the cross to create a new humanity. And the Holy Spirit is building this in local congregations all over our cities. And that is way more amazing to me and important to me than, hey, can you speak in tongues? I really don't care, to be honest with you. I don't care that much about your spiritual gifts. I do, but it's not as important to me as if you can see people who are different than you and love them. Can you come together with other brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ and love them and remove the walls and let them in? That is way more important to God than whether or not you can speak in tongues or heal people or do any of that other stuff. Because you know what? That's what the world sees. They don't, the world, unfortunately, today is seeing a church divided. But if the world saw a church united, people from all different backgrounds, all different ethnicities and races and cultural differences coming together at the cross and worshiping Jesus, Jesus promised us the world will change. That's who we are. That's what we're made for. We're made to be that. You know, I was thinking this last week of, of our church and, and things that are changing about our church and things that will continue to change about our church. And for some reason, I was thinking about my wife, who is the most vanilla, white, straight-laced person that I know. Maybe you know someone who's more, but you should meet my wife. Um, and, and I just imagine her, you know, God bringing her together with, with a teenage girl who is like a, a different race and tattoos all over her body, you know, the sleeves and, the, and the, the plugs and the blue hair and the shredded jeans and, you know, listening to the loud music and everything. And my wife and her, they looked so different on the outside. They talk different. They have different hobbies. You know, my wife spends most of her free time at a sewing machine and this, this girl spends most of her free time at a turntable deck, mixing beats or whatever. And God brings the two of them together. And on the outside, they have nothing in common. But then they start talking about Jesus. Jesus comes up. 
Maybe she's got, the girl's got a tattoo of a fish or a cross or something. My wife's like, oh, do you know Jesus? And they start talking about Jesus. And guess what? All the walls come down. All the walls come down. And my wife and that girl, they start talking about the most precious thing to each of them. Jesus Christ. He's their peace. And Jesus brings them together and starts this new friendship, this new bond. And they see past all the differences. You know, that teenage girl is probably thinking, this girl, this lady's old. What is she even doing here? And what, or whatever. And my wife's looking at this girl like, you know, where is she coming from? And all of a sudden, none of that matters. None of that matters. Because they realize they both have Jesus. And through the cross, they are one. They're one. They're sisters. It's like my wife just met her long-lost sister. And, and all of a sudden, they start loving each other. And a relationship starts to get built. An unbreakable relationship built on Jesus Christ. That's the kind of thing that the gospel can do. That's the kind of thing the gospel does. It tears down our walls. It, it re, the dividing wall of hostility, it's gone. And people begin coming together, or maybe coming back together, who once were hostile to one another. And a new kind of lasting relationship that outshined all the other old relationships is being built. That's what the gospel's for. Now, some of you feel like, you know, we've been talking about, even though Jesus tore down these walls, we, we keep putting up new ones, right? That's what we do. And um, some of you feel today maybe like you are a little distant from God. Maybe you feel like you haven't been hearing from God. You feel like you're in a dry season. You feel like, you know, you just, maybe you feel like there's a wall between you and God. And I want to challenge you this morning to start thinking about the relationships you have with other people. Because most of the time, when you are struggling to hear from God and when you are struggling in your relationship with God, it's because of a relationship with someone else that you have that is broken. It's because of that. And I don't know if you remember, but when we went through the Sermon on the Mount, we came, on, we came up on this passage in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it for you one more time. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. And this is what Jesus said. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, in other words, if you are worshiping, if you are worshiping me, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Okay? Jesus doesn't say, hey, finish offering your, 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 your sacrifice. Keep worshiping me. You can deal with that when it's convenient. I'm sure you'll bump into them soon, and everything will work out okay. No, he says, get up and first go deal with this, and then come back and worship me. Then you can come back, and we'll, I'll take you to the next place. You can follow me some more. But first, you go deal with that relationship. If you know someone who has something against you, if you have something against them, if there's a wall up that you've put there, it needs to come down. And it needs to come down now. There's some urgency. Now, you might be asking, but, but, but you don't understand. God, God, you don't get it. You, I mean, they took everything from me. They hurt me. They betrayed me. They're impossible to talk to. So you might be wondering, how do I do that? 
How do I make it right? How do I reconcile with people like that? Well, thankfully, Pastor Phil is going to tell you everything you need to know next week. (laughs) As he uh, talks about reconciliation. And he's going to get a little more practical, I think. Or at least now he is. So today, we're going to close, and I'm, I'm going to close this in prayer here. And here's what I want to challenge you to do this week. If there was some, a face or a name that came to your mind during this message today, someone you know you're at odds with, someone you know there's a wall up in your relationship or there's brokenness in your relationship, I want you to take that to God this week. And I want you to ask him what to do. And I want you to think about what you need to do if there's something you need to do to make it right. So let's all, let's all close our eyes and bow our heads. And I'm going to close in prayer. And before I do, I just want to ask you some questions. Who do you need to confess to? Who do you need to own up to? Who do you need to pay back? Who do you need to forgive? Who do you want to fail? Who do you need to call? Who have you offended? Who has offended you? Who do you feel distant from? Our Heavenly Father, we we come to you this morning and we humble ourselves. And we know, God, that if it wasn't for Jesus, we we would not have you. We would not have any access to you. We would not know you. We would not be here. So we thank you for the blood of Jesus that that brings us into your presence. And we also thank you that the blood of Jesus tears down the walls between us and other people. And I pray, God, that this morning that if there was anyone that you put on the heart of of any of our people, that they would take this seriously and that that they would see some urgency here and that they would do what they need to do, however much it depends on them, to make peace with those we are separated from. I pray that you would lead us and guide us, God, that you would continue to soften our hearts and soften the hearts of the people that we are going to seek reconciliation with over the next few weeks. And I pray that you would lead us and guide us and empower us and that as we draw near to other people, that you would draw near to us and draw us near to you and let us experience your grace and your presence and your comfort and your peace. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Please rise for the benediction, and then you will be free to go. I I thank you again for uh, being here with us today. And um, please drive home safely and slowly, as the roads are still pretty treacherous. And uh, don't forget, we've got uh, the table for the Royal Kids Camp for these foster kids. Cross Point Church has a real heart for foster kids and foster families. It's a great opportunity for you um, to, to, to just support foster kids who, who need all the Christian support they can get. And if you are, I believe you have to be only 16 or older to volunteer at one of these camps. So it's a really great opportunity if you'd like to get plugged in and uh, used by God for one week this summer. And um, so I encourage you to talk to, to Lisa uh, over at the table before you leave today. The, the benediction this morning comes out of Hebrews chapter 13. Please bow your heads with me. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.